0: God bless and welcome to this week's episode of Family Discussion. We are so glad that you've joined us today. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reformed Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Jesus teaches us in the Gospel of John that the world will know that we are his followers by the way that we love one another. And yet it seems like the love of Jesus is less and less evident in the way that we speak to and about one another, especially when we disagree. So, in the hopes of recapturing the brother-sister love that Jesus has won for us, we are calling a family meeting. For the next half hour, let's cut through the noise and look at the issues without slander and malice. It's time for a family discussion. All right. Well, welcome everyone to the very first episode of Family Discussion. It's happening, Lisa.
1: It's happening. It's happening. We did it.
0: We officially have a podcast, uh, which I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but we have it and let's see how this goes. I'm excited. I'm ready. So uh, my name is Marcos Ortega, I am a pastor in the Hudson Valley of New York, and I am joined with my friend Lisa Spencer. So Lisa, hello.
1: Hello, good morning.
0: So Lisa, um, tell us a little bit about, about yourself, and then I'll share a little bit about who I am, that way listeners at least know who they're listening to.
1: Okay, so I'm Lisa Spencer, and uh, that, that name is actually new, uh, it was Lisa Robinson, uh before that and in Mm -hmm. case you you know come across my blog or anything like who's this lisa spencer chick um i got married in january that's right Uh, yay Woo! that was a long time coming um And uh, even longer for my husband. And so single, just a side note, uh, single people, my husband is 65 and never been married Mm. before. Wow. Um, Not for lack of wanting, but it just never worked out that way. So there is always hope, and it's never too late.
0: Amen. Um,
1: Amen. So that meant me moving from Dallas, Texas, where I was for 10 years, to Roanoke, Virginia, um, I've settled wow. in quite well. It's, you know, it's a little smaller pace than I'm used to, but at this stage in my life, it's great. I am, um, uh, uh, what, what am I? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Well, I was, I should say, I'm a, a graduate of, uh, of Dallas Seminary. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, mm-hmm. I
1: got my THM in 2014. And, uh, was really driven there because I had in my life encountered a lot of, in my Christian life, had encountered a lot of really unfaithful teaching. That mm. I, you know, that I embraced wholeheartedly and it wasn't until somebody challenged me in 2006 with the disjointed way I was reading scripture, mm. Um, which is another, you know, another thing when we, you know, when people have bad theology, it's not because they're not reading the Bible necessarily. Right. It's not that they're, they're not reading the Bible well. Yeah. And they're not reading it the way it's supposed to be read. Because hmm. I read the Bible. Um, but that, you know, when that started unraveling, somebody confronted me and how I was reading scripture. And I started reading it and, you know, thinking about context and, you know, and how, where the books fit into the whole narrative, that really started unraveling a lot of bad theology for me. And, um, you know, it drove me to a small Bible church in Dartmouth, Massachusetts. Hmm. I was living in uh, Rhode Island at the time. And, uh, you know, my, my pastor was a... DTS grad and so he encouraged me to go to Dallas so I spent 10 years in Dallas
2: okay
1: uh, going through seminary as a single mom um, other than that you know I've worked in uh, the nonprofit sector uh, in social services on uh, the administrative and funding you know development and administrative uh, side of it but very up close and upfront with you know with human services anti-poverty programs okay um, you know uh, agents, organizations, and agencies that basically deal with the you know the uplift of, of who we would call the vulnerable and disenfranchised.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's wonderful. So you went to Texas and you've been doing this work um, the whole time, or did you take a break from that for some?
1: You know, the whole time. Okay. And this is so it speaks to the faithfulness of God because you know I have been widowed since two thousand four um my son was little he was uh well they little he was sh- just shy of his 11th birthday when i moved to dallas to go to seminary wow okay so okay. it was me leaving my you know full-time professional career to go to seminary as a single mom i didn't even know how that was going to happen and i knew it couldn't happen without the right kind of employment well fortunately i was able to uh, um, hook up with an organization a nonprofit organization that was looking for somebody with my experience at the same time I was looking for a part-time job. And Mm. so they, my first year and a half, I actually had the job before I even moved to Dallas. Okay. And that was the one thing that would have kept me from moving to Dallas to go to seminary. And so right there, I was like, okay, Lord, you're faithful. You know, he opened that door. Yeah. And so I was able to kind of continue to work, not at a little at a lower level okay. um, that I was before, which is fine because my priority was seminary yeah. but i worked for an organization that you know was called C- well at the time it was central dallas ministry but they later changed to city square okay and very much engaged in you know in 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 really helping folks uh come out of come out of poverty wow. so programs that were focused on you know workforce development on providing what's called permanent supportive housing which is dealing with you know people who are homeless who have disabilities such as mental illness or um, or substance abuse which is you know when you see long-term homeless people on the street there's probably a combination of that plus a whole lot of other barriers uh, which is why we can't we, we should be slow to make judgments about mm. you know why about the condition of, of someone's homelessness
2: absolutely um, absolutely.
1: So yeah, so I was for I had, you know a few departures, but I was fortunate enough to continue in the work. I'm actually still uh, continuing in it uh, after seminary, I um, you know I went to another organization called Volunteers of America, Texas, which is part of a national organization that's headquartered here in Virginia. And so they have an affiliate in Chesapeake and so I'm working on contract with them. I was with VOA uh, Texas for four years and, you know, knowing oh, okay. I was moving here, they, you know, I was able to have conversations with people and so I'm doing some grant writing for, um, you know, for, for them and okay, really just trying to, yeah, trying to figure out the next step because I still want to, you know, in terms of writing and now we're starting this podcast yeah. and, you know, really want to be intentional about what's going on with god's kingdom Mm -hmm. you know what what's going you know because that's what we're about really we're about his kingdom business amen and how you know how do we bring the light of jesus christ the light of the gospel to the world you know is it just about you know telling someone the good news of jesus christ well that's part of it but it's also how we contribute our gifts our skills everything that god has placed in us for the greater good so yeah. that we, you know, so that we, you know, we bring some kind of um, redemptive element to every everything that we mm. touch. And so that's, you know, and so that's really what, you know, what, what I try to be about, um, even with my social media uh, interactions, uh, you know, try to, I um, may not always be successful, Um <laughs> You know, so yeah. in terms of like, you know, because people ask me, what are you, what do you, so, so, what are you doing with your seminary degree? Well, you know, I've had some speaking opportunities. I write, but listen, I'm not, I'm not wedded to, well, I, I have a THM, therefore I have to have this kind of position. Right, right. It's, you know, God opened that door. He made the provision. He provided the conviction for me to go to seminary. Whatever he wants to do with that, that's what I want to do.
0: Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I'm excited to have um, the perspective of of not just the THM work that you've done, but also your career, um, I think, will be really helpful in helping to create a context for some of these conversations. Because mm-hmm. um, it's one thing to have a theoretical conversation about the issues, but when you're actually dealing with folks who are going mm-hmm. through these issues or when issues impact people's lives, it changes things. It's no mm-hmm. longer just theoretical conversation. But there are real people with real stories and real pain and real joy standing right in front of you. And now you got to bring the theory of the conversation you're having to bear on this situation. So uh, I'm excited. That's great. That's, that's awesome. I hope that people enjoy uh, getting to know you a little bit through this podcast. It'll be wonderful. Right. wonderful. So I guess let me share a little bit of my story. Um, so my name is Marcos Ortega, and, and I've only been pastoring for a year. I'm new at this. Um, I am one year into my first pastorate, and so I am still way, way low on the learning curve of what it is to be a pastor. I am in the Evangelical Presbyterian Church, Um, something you didn't mention, we're both Presbyterians. Um, Different denominations, but our denominations are kind of sister denominations. Uh, You're in the PCA, I'm in the EPC, and I've been pastoring here for a little over a year in the Hudson Valley area. And so um, I think my story it begins uh, much earlier than that. Um, Grew up in the church, but my relationship with the Lord really took on a a personal nature, I would say, when I was in high school, Uh, went to a small dispensationalist school in the San Diego area, so uh, quite the journey from dispensationalism to Presbyterianism, but that's my yeah. journey, and um, so made that journey, and then um, really it was a desire of mine to get into politics, that was really what I wanted to do, and and so I got married in 2009, and uh, we moved from Arizona, where I had grown up and where I was living, to... Just outside Philadelphia, where I was planning on going to school to learn how uh, Christianity and public policy could work together, and there was a. And that was that
1: at Westminster? No,
0: that was not at Westminster. Uh, That was okay. I was uh, was about to say (laughs) no. Westminster does not have a degree like that. Um, (laughs) No, this was at a school called Palmer Theological Seminary. It's uh, the seminary of Eastern University, and some of the leaders at this school or at least those who would come out of the school were folks like Shane Claiborne and Jim Wallace and Tony Campolo mm. kind of the, the who's who of the Christian left. Um, mm-hmm. I got to work a little bit with Ron Sider, who is, uh, an incredible brother who, uh, he's a Mennonite, um, and a brother who has done really amazing work in realms of social justice and, and really, especially around poverty. And so, um, got to work a little bit with him but while i was there i was working part time at a mainline church and really started to feel drawn towards the ministry and um, when really push came to shove i decided that rather than pursue politics uh, lord was calling me into ministry that that was confirmed by the session of my church and so i began that long journey uh switched seminaries did go to westminster theological seminary spent five years there Because while I was in school, I was also working in the church. And so there was no real way I was going to be able to go full time to seminary and still maintain uh, family life. I had a little girl at this point that I went to Westminster. Um, A second one was born during my time there. And uh, I really needed to make sure I was caring for my family, serving in the church, and going to school. So I did all three things at once. and then right after graduating from seminary, we began praying about where God was leading us. Uh, we knew that it was going to be time to leave the church where I'd been serving, and, and that was hard. That church had blessed us so well, and they were so good to us, but we knew that it was time to move on. And so began doing the whole process of looking for a church, um, visited the church that I'm currently at, Goodwill Church, um, and they were really excited about me possibly coming up and being a part of the pastoral team here. But they were also very clear that there was no job at the time. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, my wife and I were praying about it. We visited a handful of other churches, did some of the candidate work, but we kept comparing everything to Goodwill Church. And so we said, listen, um, we know there's no job yet, but we just want to be a part of this church and what we see God doing in this church. So we just moved up to the Hudson Valley. Um, a few months later, by God's grace, I was brought on staff uh, on at the okay. church and then became a pastor at that church. I'm an assistant pastor um, and, and just had the opportunity to launch a new branch of our church back in April of 2019. And so uh, I'm in full-blown church plant mode as well as launching this podcast. And so that's that's really kind of my church life and how I came up there. One of the things that's also been important to me for quite a few years now is the topics of social justice, racial justice, economic justice. A couple years ago, a few friends and I from seminary, we launched a website called Reform Margins. Um, This podcast is part of the relaunch of that website as well. So um, it's its own thing. Plus it's also a part of the Reform Margins relaunch. And so really what we're trying to do is create space for people of color to be able to talk about really whatever topic they want to talk about from their unique perspective in the reformed world, which is overwhelmingly white. Um, and the, the voices of people of color haven't always been embraced. And mm-hmm. so what we wanted to do was rather than uh, keep knocking at the door and hoping to get a seat at the table, we're creating our own table. It's a multi-ethnic mm-hmm. group. Uh, by design and mm-hmm. so we're, we're trying to create space where there is ethnic diversity also diversity of points of view um, mm-hmm. which is gonna really have a spotlight shine shined on it here in this conversation um, uh, absolutely. you know you and I come from Make a little bit out. of different perspectives <laughs> on a lot of these issues um, but yeah. that's that's the point of what we're trying to do so let's um, you know, in in the first episode of our show, we're going to talk about that a little bit. That's what we're doing here is kind of introducing ourselves to our listeners. But um, we can we can I want to touch on a little bit what we're trying to do. You know, I come from a little mm-hmm. bit more of a politically. I don't even want to say progressive because that's such a loaded term. Loaded. Um, mm-hmm. But other people would call me a progressive. <laughs> so, yeah. so Um you know, I, I I view things from a little bit of that perspective. Um, I am a registered Democrat. I don't hide that from folks. I don't preach that from the pulpit. I'm not about Democratic platforms or anything like that. Uh, in fact, the Democratic Party would probably cringe if they knew I was a Democrat because they don't like some of my positions. <laughs> but um, that's that's kind of where I come to some of these issues is from a little bit more of a progressive social justice bent um, your bent's a little bit different.
1: My my bent is different, and I'm so glad you brought that up. And I do find it interesting that you went from this kind of left wing, you know, uh, uh, sem- you know, seminary to Westminster. That's quite the leap.
0: It was quite a shift. Um, well, really, it's it yeah, I realized at the seminary that I was at that I was getting really good exposure to conversations mm-hmm. like social justice and racial justice and political mm-hmm. um, ideologies that I lined up with and that I found important. But I was about to make a career shift. And I was going to be in the pulpit. And one of the things I was realizing at the seminary is that while they were really good at those conversations... I, I was a year into my seminary career, and I didn't feel like I knew the Bible any better. And I didn't feel mm. like I'd be able to actually stand in a pulpit and, um, and really divide the word of truth well. And I mm. thought, hey, if I'm being called into the pulpit and not into the political arena, I need to know the word, and I need to be able to really preach the word well, not just my opinions about the word. And so okay. um, Westminster was right there in Philadelphia. I didn't have to move my family again, which was key because there was the new baby, Mm -hmm. and um, I really felt like at Westminster, um, while some of the social conversations would be lacking, I would know theology well, I would know Mm -hmm. uh, the Bible well, I'd be able to discern right teaching and wrong teaching. Um, I would have the ability to allow the word to cut me up a little bit and show me where I'm straying, which was really important. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, that's, I, I did go to a different kind of political animal when I went to Westminster, but that's not why I was going. And, and I kind of walked in knowing, um, that I would have some disagreement with the faculty and with all the other students on political issues, some theological issues, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I'm in favor, for example, of the ordination of women to all of the offices. Um, I knew I would be at odds with everybody there at Westminster, and that's okay, because um, I, in the EPC, that's a place where we're willing to agree to disagree. Um, that's very practical for me, because I'm at a church that does not ordain women to elder, um, and the pastors. And I don't see eye to eye on that issue, and yet we agree to disagree, and we're okay with that. And I'm under a session, and so I submit to the authority of the session. Um, And so it's one of those things where I have always tried to find common ground with folks. I've always tried to say, okay, on the secondary issues, let's disagree. Let's disagree well. On the primary issues, that's where we find our unity. Um, Right. And so, in this kind of a conversation where mm-hmm. you and I will have some disagreement and healthy disagreement mm-hmm. from different perspectives, we are united around what really matters, and that's the gospel of Christ.
1: Amen. And, and I'm glad that you brought that up in terms of our orient, political orientation. Um, you know, uh, and I say this unapologetically, while I am not a registered republican i i thought about doing that in 2016 to be honest Mm. Uh, but then the 2016 election happened and that went uh just went by the wayside because i said no i'm not going to do it at this point um but i will say that politically i am conservative in the traditional sense of what political conservatism is and that is separate from um, you know, from the Republican or what's become of the Republican culture. And this is, in. I'm in, in glad that you brought it up because we tend to think, um, oh, you are, you know, if you're a person of color, you know, then you must be oriented this way yeah. in terms of your political affiliation. Well, right. no, not, you know, and more and more over the years, I have met more and more black conservatives mm. who reject the democratic, uh, platform. Yeah. Some of them don't, don't reject it well, but, you know, <laughs> but in terms of how, you know, how are we dealing with the, you know, with the organization of political life in, you know, in what causes human flourishing? Um, you know, some some of us, a lot of us, it's not about being one camp or the other. We're just looking at what is it, you know, what does it mean, first of all, for us to be, um, you know, created in the image of God, Um, You know, what is our personhood and how does that personhood, how does that personhood flourish in life? What policies are going to create, what platforms are going to create the best, you know, position for that? Now, that's a place where I think you and I will will disagree on that. But it's not because... You know, because we're, you know, I'm a sellout, mm-hmm. um, you know, or, you know, Uncle Tom, which I hate, oh. and I absolutely hate that coming oh. from the mouth of a Christian. Mm. It's such a derogatory term. Um, but people are really looking at life and saying, what is the best organization for how this life is to be structured? And we can come to differing, you know, conclusions about that. And what's interesting, though, in, in you know, it, because I've worked in the field of anti poverty, you know, you do right. have, it is, it does strongly lean towards, um, you know, policies that are oriented left. And right. that's always been, a, that that has for years, many years, been a rub for me, especially mm. as my, you know, one at, at one point I was a registered Democrat, oh, not 20, 30 years ago. But over time, it, you know, my my politics have, you know, shifted, okay. you know, have, have evolved. Right. And, um, you know, so... Um, I forgot the point. I, was, <laughs> I forgot the <laughs> point I was making. <laughs> but it's on oh because you know in this field it does tend to lean left. But as you know, at, but at, but but you know when it comes to okay, what is our purpose here? The purpose here in you know whatever organization that I've worked for is you know how do we help vulnerable people? Yeah. How do we you know how how do we reach the you know the the disenfranchised. And lift them out of homelessness, lift them out of, you know, of, of sub uh, employment, help those who are coming out of incarceration. Yeah. And given all of the barriers that exist, especially with employment. Mm. Um. And so that's where I find common ground and say, yeah. OK, I am, you know, I'm helping to make these kind of programs that will help these individuals. So. You know, we can have discussions about you know, does the minimum wage need to be fifteen dollars? Sure. Um, sure. You know, do you know, does you know, do cities need to create um, you know policies that you know are heavy on on you know on subsidized right? Um, you know, housing or employment. Like we can have those discussions and disagreements, but like you at the at the end of the day, I'm saying okay, the main goal of this program is to help these people. Right. And so that's where I have to lay aside my, you know, sort of my political affiliations Mm. and say, you know, but at the same time, also be, also be more interested in how, you know, how do you solve these issues from a more free market perspective? Um, So, yeah, but, but I think, you know, and that's important especially for what we're trying to do here, because I think that we live in an environment and, and a lot of it, unfortunately has been, uh, shaped, influenced by social media,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, that we treat people according to their ideology. Yeah, uh, you know. So if we and, and even like as Christians, oh, you don't agree with you know with my platform, my you know how how I define Christianity in terms of you know essentials. I mean, there's some things we have to agree on. Sure, right. We have to agree on the hypostatic union. Yeah, we have to agree. We have to agree on um you know on god's character Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. we have to agree with what makes us a christian right you know um and that is the free grace that god has given through his son jesus christ like there are certain things we have to agree on right but then we get outside of that and we start having disagreement. well you know what's what's happened and i think a lot of this is what social media has shaped is that we, you know, sort of, we, we we have our, you know, we draw our boxes and say, okay, if you're in that box, you're fine with me. But once you go outside of that box, I'm no longer going to treat you according to who you are, which is a brother and sister in Christ. And so right. we're dealing with each other, you know, based on doctrine, based on different political ideo- ideologies, and not as brothers and sisters in Christ.
0: Well, and that's where we really violate scripture when we disagree with one another in such a way that demeans the other person, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Our difference of opinion isn't, it doesn't depend on whether or not I am more spiritual or more connected to Jesus than you. You know, I mean, we can come to the issues from different perspectives as brother and sister in Christ without having to demean one another's spiritual maturity. You are not more mature for being conservative. I am not more mature for being progressive. This is just how we view the issues. We have legitimate disagreement, but we do so as members of the same family of God. And that's what we're trying to capture as a podcast. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about this in, in the next episode. But what we wanted to get across in this, we wanted, we wanted you, our listener, to be able to know who we are, where we're coming from, our different perspectives on the issues. But then also here, our heart in this, we are trying to model what disagreement in Christ can look like in a really healthy, edifying way that's good for the church, because so much of the disagreement that's going on, especially in the social media world, is about how do we tear down the other side? How do we score points against the other side? That's not what the Bible is about when the Bible talks about what it means to love one another, it doesn't say that you love one another by coming up with the really cutesy cut down of the other person that's going to raise your Twitter follower count. Mm -hmm. Like that's not what it is to love. What it is to love is to bear with one another. It's to um, engage in forgiving one another. It's to think the best of one another and not assume the worst of one another. And so what we're trying to do here is simply say, we have some disagreements, but those disagreements actually, if we disagree well, will strengthen our bond in Christ, not divide us from one another. If we're willing to listen to one another well, then we get to know one another well, and we deepen in the love that we have with one another in Christ. Because in the end, when we deal with these issues, when we talk about the things we disagree with, when we talk about the things that we agree with, because that gets lost, mm-hmm. right? We, we disagree yes. about something, therefore we must disagree about everything. Well, no, right. <laughs> we disagree about that thing. Um, what we want to say is, listen, in Christ, these disagreements are actually part of the beauty of the diversity that's found in the body of Christ that it's, it's diversity and unity together. It's union in Christ among a diverse peoples. We're going to disagree about the issues, but far too often we turn that into really a referendum on, on someone's faithfulness to Jesus. And, yes. and that's not what we're about here. What we're going to do here is try and model, here's how you have healthy disagreement, here's how you embrace the things that you agree about, and here's how we build one another up in the faith even when we don't agree on everything.
1: Amen. Amen. And for that, you know, in closing, I think that 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7 is just such a good anchor for, you know, for how, for the basis of our, of our conversations. Even when we see somebody, a brother and sister in Christ, um, you know, say something on Facebook or on Twitter or write a blog and we're just ready to tear into them. And that is... Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Mm -hmm. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So it's this idea that, you know what, I'm going to give this person the benefit of the doubt. Right. And I'm going to try to be as charitable as I can with... in in, interpreting what they're saying, not just interpreting what they're saying, but how I oppose what they're saying, Right. because that's part of the issue too. somehow, you know, and pardon me for the getting on the soapbox for just a few seconds. But somehow, you know, look, I know that we live in a therapeutic culture, and people are all into their feelings and governed by their feelings. But we don't get a pass. On what the Bible commands and how we're supposed to interact with our brothers and
0: sisters, mm-hmm. and when
1: it says to so let our speech be gracious and seasoned with salt, yes, then I don't, you know, when it when when Scripture says that this is the fruit of the Spirit, and this somehow is supposed to be evident, right. you know, in our lives. When Scripture says that you know, do good to all, but especially to the household of mm. faith. I don't know this this idea of being kind and tenderhearted where that goes out of the window because, you know, people are being too nice.
0: There's no asterisk. You know, we on we have
1: to live we have to live according to what scripture says or how we're supposed to be. Yes.
0: Yes. Amen. Amen. So we'll let the Bible have the last word on that. Corinthians thirteen, first Corinthians thirteen and Uh, It'll be helpful for our listeners to just give that another read. It's always good to go back and consider, okay, here is what love is supposed to look like. This love was modeled for us in Jesus Christ. And if we are to be more and more transformed into the image of Christ, if that's what the Holy Spirit's doing then the way that we treat one another should look more and more like 1 Corinthians 13. So that's it for now. We look forward to having you at our next family discussion. God bless. Well, thank you again for joining us for this week's family discussion. If you'd like to learn more or catch up on episodes you missed, head on over to our home at reformedmargins.com. There you'll find great content about a whole host of issues that we pray will bless your relationship with Jesus including articles written by Lisa Spencer and me, Marcos Ortega. Family Discussion is a podcast of Reformed Margins, a site dedicated to providing a platform for people of color to engage the larger Reformed and Evangelical conversations. Your hosts are Marcos Ortega and Lisa Spencer. Our producer is Larry Lynn. Family Discussion is hosted by Podbean and recorded with Audacity. If you like what you heard today, it would be a great help to us if you gave a quick review and rating on iTunes. And don't forget to subscribe to our our podcast wherever you listen to your favorite content so that you don't miss our next family discussion.